It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Get up every morning Greetings and salutations on this Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, the day before Turkey Day. I'm not sure how many people are working out there today. I'm not sure about other radio shows around the city. I do know this. We have three hours of scintillating sports talk for you live and in color from the Family Leisure Studios. We welcome you in. Greg Gaston, producer Zach Boyd. Eli is off today. He's actually working an Ole Miss basketball game, and you can hear him today as the Rebels take on the Temple Owls in Philadelphia, 2 o'clock here on Sports 56, 98.5 FM. So my partner will be calling that game. I'll be headed to Philadelphia tomorrow for the Memphis Temple football game, which will take place on Friday. Again, we're in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, where family and fun come together. Their overstock sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by our friends at East Memphis Ace Hardware. One of the busiest travel days of the year. People on planes, people in cars, rickshaws, whatever it is that will get you to your destination for Thanksgiving. But we have a lot to get to. It is a busy, busy day and a busy time in sports. First of all, the Memphis Tigers men's basketball team open up the battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. And in just a few moments, we'll head to the Bahamas because we have the technology. And we'll talk with assistant coach Andy Borman, who joins us each and every week. At 725, we'll wrap up the soccer season with our friend Lawrence Dockery. At 805, Coach Ryan Silverfield will join us as we prep for the Tigers and Temple. Memphis, obviously, disappointed with the loss to SMU, but still an opportunity to win a ninth game if they can beat Temple and a tenth game if they can win their bowl game. We'll talk to Ryan about that. And, of course, the big news yesterday about the stadium. At 825, Jerry Palm on both college football and college hoops. And at 905, we're talking Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole. The Grizzlies tonight in Houston. That means the rekindling of an old friendship with Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, who yesterday said, you can see they have no swagger talking about his former team. Talking about him being, eh, comparing himself to an ex-girlfriend that the Grizzlies didn't realize they were going to miss. Yes, words of wisdom from Dylan Brooks as the Grizzlies at 3-10 and 10 will meet the surprisingly good Rockets at 6-6. Six and six. College basketball last night, the Maui Invitational. Did you stay up late? If you did, you watched the number one team in the nation, Kansas, fall to Marquette, 73-59. Marquette's a very good team. They're ranked fourth. But KU, the number one team in the nation, falls 73-59. And earlier... In the evening, Purdue over Tennessee, that's number two over number seven, 71-67 to 67 in a game in which 51 fouls were called. In fact, another, another foul just called. Another foul was just called in that game. 51 fouls, are you kidding me? Uh, today, you're looking at clouds and sunshine, a high of 52. It is currently 
42 degrees in the metropolitan Memphis area. You're talking about partly cloudy tonight with a low dipping under 40, about 38 tonight for a low. Tomorrow, a mainly sunny sky day, high 57. Not bad for Thanksgiving. Let me introduce, oh, I was going to bring in my uh, partner in crime today, Zach Boyd, but right now he is going to uh, get Andy Borman on the line, But or Zach is with me. Zach, do you have a second to tell all the good people how well you're doing? I'm doing great, guys. You ready for Thanksgiving tomorrow? I am definitely ready for Thanksgiving. So what's what's the game plan? How do you do it? Uh, At I'm home? Heading, you, you head the family? What do you do? Yeah, so so I'm, well, I'm, I'm heading to like three different Thanksgiving outings on Thanksgiving. So And not eating one piece of turkey? No. But there's a lot of other things that yeah. you can eat. Yeah, like vegetables, like casseroles and different things like that. Like, So there, there's something there to eat. Well, have a great Thanksgiving. want to wish everybody a terrific Thanksgiving as well. But we're here today to talk about sports as we are each and every day. And I'm telling you, it is going to be fabulous with all the college basketball, the college football, the NFL tomorrow. I'll give you our lineup from here on Sports 56 and 98.5 in just a few moments. But without further ado, as promised... Oh, there's the music. We'll have the official open for Andy here soon. We got to get our producing production people to work. But this is his song. This is his intro. Ladies and gentlemen, University of Memphis Tigers men's basketball assistant coach Andy Borman joining us from the beautiful islands of the Bahamas. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy underscore Borman. Andy, how are you? I'm doing good, guys. Good morning. Good morning to you. I I know that you are there to get things done. You're on a, a working assignment, but gosh, it is 39, well, what did I just say, 42 degrees. We've gone over the 40-degree mark here in Memphis. What's the weather like in the Bahamas? I think it's been like 75 degrees uh, 24 hours a day. The only thing that's <laughs> different is the, the sun rises and the sun sets, but the weather is perfect. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful part of the world. I've been there before. Have you been there before? Uh, I have, but a long time ago when like, when I was in my 20s. So what is Coach Hardaway allowing the players to do when you're at Atlantis, you're in the Bahamas, but you are obviously on a mission to win this tournament? Is there time to really enjoy themselves? Um... I don't know. Not really. I, I think I think we're really busy. I mean, by the way, like we haven't even changed our, you know, like prep schedule and it's pretty full. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I think they have a little time to walk around, you know, and kind of see the sights. But it's it's not like we have to like invent anything to keep them busy. Right. Um I, I think I think we're so, you know, detail oriented. That we're just sticking with the normal schedule, and there's just not a lot of, not a lot of free time, anyways. But also with these guys, you know, it, it's not like we have to motivate them to get ready to play Michigan. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. What, what yeah. are the, what are the facilities like? In fact, it, 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 as as a, uh, I've been to the Maui Invitational, so I know how it was. Yeah. At, at, and of course, they moved it to Honolulu because of that devastating fire that uh, cost uh, a lot of lives and just was, oh gosh, mm-hmm. it was such a tragedy. But they usually play in that small high school gym on the island of Maui in Lahaina. I've never been to the Bahamas for basketball. When you're practicing, is it, do they have multiple courts? How is, what's the breakdown as far as that's concerned? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's totally different because I, I've been to the Maui Invitational too and uh, 
that that's a gym. You know, even right. even though it may not be a college sized gym, it's a gym that's designed for. No, we we are. This is in like a ballroom. You know, so it's it's like a converted, emptied out ballroom mm. that they've put a basketball court in. And like probably, I, I didn't get a hard look at it yesterday, but probably like a dozen row of bleachers on each side. Okay. You know, so yeah, so it's pretty small. And then there is a second ballroom that has a practice court in it. Now there's there's plenty of height, so it's not like you're worried about it affecting their shot or mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it definitely feels enclosed. You know, you you, you can feel a little claustrophobic. Ah! How fired up is Coach Hardaway now that he has returned as far as games? He's been practice. He's been coaching the team in practice. He's been with the team, but obviously the first three games, uh, you guys were were coached by. Rick Stansbury, yourself, Faraji, and the rest of the staff. But now he's back at the helm. I'm sure he's excited as heck to get back there. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll see the difference, you know, today on a game day. Because, like I said, I mean, he's so detail-oriented. You know, that even, even when he wasn't allowed to coach, he was still allowed to do all the prep work leading up to game day. Mm-hmm. So every, everything has really been, you know, the same, you know, and, and then today is kind of like that I'm back moment. You know, it's like I'm waiting, you know, it's like when Jordan came out of retirement, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm waiting for the, you know, the facts to come in. Right. You know, this says right. I'm back, but uh, I mean, we know it and we're excited. Like I said, every single person here, whether it's coaches, players, you know, support staff, everyone here came here to work for Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone did their best to try to just get us through his absence in as good of a way as possible. And now it's kind of like, okay, now this is what we signed up for. Right. Let's go. Right. And, and while you guys were, were hit with that curveball, that three-game suspension uh, by the NCAA, Michigan has been hit with a curveball with the health of Juwan Howard. He's not coaching the team. It is great yep. to have an old, reliable, veteran, successful coach like Phil Martelli running the show. But Juwan is not there. Uh, they've had a, a tough loss already early to a pretty solid Long Beach State team. What can you tell us about Michigan? What are the obstacles you face when you play them today, 4 o'clock Central Time? Well, I mean, I can tell you, I, I don't know, you know, whether he'll be on the sideline or not, but Coach Howard is here. Okay. You know, he's here with with the Michigan team. Um, Has he been and, with the team in, in the past games they've played already this season? Do you know that? Oh, I, I don't know because I didn't, I, kind of like you guys, I didn't see him on the sideline. I saw Coach Martelli running the show. Right. Um, but I can tell you, like, He's here, and, and maybe Coach Martelli coaches the game, and he just helps. It. I don't know the the formula, but I mean, he's here in person. You you can't miss him. You know, you can't miss. No, you can't. All, all six foot ten of them. Um, but no, they're 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 tough, and and they're really good. And on top of that, you know, they have an incredible guard in McDaniel that can really get wherever he wants. They've got a dynamic score in Burnett and then they're huge, you know, like, like they're literally six, seven, six, nine, six, 11 over and over and over. And so, you know, 
one of the things we struggled with last game was offensive rebounding. Yes, you did. Mm-hmm. And I know that we've spoken about that before. And it's, you know, it's not like some new topic, you know, that's going to be fun to talk about. <laughs> but I, I put that at the top of the list. We got to keep their little guard out of the paint and we got to keep their big dudes off the glass. Right. You know, and there's, and there's more points, you know, but obviously those are kind of like top of the list items. But I, I, I think you would agree because we saw this problem rear its ugly head even in the exhibition games, allowing offensive rebounds, allowing second chance opportunities to your opponent. But you guys are big. You're a big team. You got long players. To me, that's more effort because, again, that was a small team you faced relatively speaking, in Alabama State, they get 25 offensive rebounds. To me, that was more effort than it was, well, you're outmanned outside. You weren't. So now I think knowing that these guys are a much bigger team, obviously it's a a bigger name opponent. I hope that all the guys realize that and and they'll step up because they did a good job, especially in the second half against Missouri, in rebounding the basketball. So I don't know if it's going to be one of those seasons, Andy, where the guys kind of play down to the level of competition, play up to the level of competition, but all we do know is this. You give up 25 offensive rebounds to Michigan, you're not winning. Yeah, I mean, I think think you're spot on, right? Like the second half against Missouri, we were plus 10. You know, plus right. 10 on the road, Wow! you know, on yeah. the road and, and rebounding differential, you know, and so it's not a matter of can we do it? You know, it's a matter of how consistently can we do it? And if we can, we're going to be, we're going to be special, you know, and, and we, and like I said, it's just got to be a decision made, right? Like there are days I don't like working out in the morning. Mm-hmm. You got to make, you got to make that decision. Fight through um, it. Yep, exactly right. So that that's going to be part of our struggle. The good news is Coach Hardaway is not willing to lose that battle, and he said that to the team. So we're going to win. It's just a matter of like how hard we got to fight him on it. Every player is important. I understand that. But give me a player or two that is going to have to come up big today to get a dub in your first game. I mean, I think that... I think that you can really kind of, you know, sticking with the two themes, I think you can key in on kind of like our three guards, uh, you know, from a from a ball pressure perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Quinterly, um, Caleb Mills, Jalen Young, really, you know, just doing a good job, you know, trying to keep McDaniel under control. Um, and then I would say, honestly, you know, we know Malcolm and J.B., you know, but who's going to be, and not just one guy, you know, who are going to be the two guys, you know, is that Jaquan Walton, you know, who, who, who's Rebounders, going right? to David mm-hmm. Jones. Yeah. And, and not just rebound because they, we're going to have, they're going to have a hard time guarding those guys, too. Mm-hmm. you know, so just like we'll have a tough time guarding them, they'll have a tough time guarding us, you know, and so who's going to win that, you know, kind of mismatch because it is. And and someone's going to win. It's going to be us or them. You know, can can Jonathan Pierre, you know, win his mismatch? You know, can Ashton Hardaway or Nicholas Jordan win their mismatch? You know, and, and same with Jaden Hardaway. Mm-hmm. You know, like, can he win his mismatch? And if, if we can, because, look, we got to guard them and keep them off the glass, but they got to guard us too. Right. And, you know, that that's, so if we can win those little, 
team and individual mismatches, I mean, that's what's going to add up. Another thing is that if they are really concentrating on your Alabama State game, they didn't see a lot. Coach Stansbury said after the game that you guys purposely didn't want to show a lot of things. That's why we didn't see full-court pressure. We didn't see switching of defenses. Uh, That's all on the table for this tournament. Well, like we spoke about last time, we've got, you know, we've got our CIA brain computer back, <laughs> Coach Hardaway, you know, and, and no no one sees the game the way he does. Right. You know, and, and, and no one, you know, just like the way he processes it. And so you're like, you know, we're going to what? Okay, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, like like just the, his adjustments in game, and you just can't replicate that. So... That's what we're gonna. That's what we have, and you know we're, we've got the full menu, and it's just a matter of coach deciding in the moment, you know what to employ, and then our guys got to carry it out. Is the, um, I guess the, what would you call it? The early scouting report on the possible second round opponent. One of you guys, I know that one of the assistant coaches gets that assignment. Uh, have you looked? Have you looked at the possibility of Arkansas? Who are they playing? Stanford. Yeah, it's Arkansas or Stanford. So have you, know, have you guys already started to look at those two? I would imagine you yeah. have because you're yeah. going to play one of those teams tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and, and that's you know not something the players are a part of clearly, right? But right. As, a, as a staff, you know, we were up last night talking about strengths and weaknesses of both of them. And really working on that. Um, and then they play right after us. So we'll be able to play, you know, do our job mm-hmm. and then sit as a staff and then watch that game, you know, and kind of like start getting an indication as that game goes of who we're going to get. And, and we've got staff assigned, you know, so there'll be, there'll be guys watching Arkansas and guys watching Stanford. And then, you know, the minute that game's over, we have information prepared mm-hmm. already. And then we'll be adding to that from that game, you know? So it's kind of a unique thing playing in these, you know, three game, three day tournaments. Very similar to a conference tournament at the end of the year. Yeah. Un- unlike uh, Michigan football with Connor Stallions, you're allowed to be in the stands to watch the opponent uh, that you may be playing the next day. I don't, I don't think there's any Correct. problems as far as that's concerned. Uh, we're talking yeah. we're talking Tigers basketball with assistant coach Andy Borman. So Michigan today, then whoever tomorrow could be Arkansas, then a third game, Ole Miss mm-hmm. on the horizon, VCU, Texas A&M, mm-hmm. all road games, then Clemson at home, Virginia at home, Vanderbilt at home. This is murderer's road. This is though what Penny wanted to do to set this thing up. We know where the conference stands. It is pivotal for you guys to be successful in the non-conference portion of your schedule to have a good seed once tournament time comes around. And so this is important and maybe more important than a North Carolina or some of the bigger name programs from bigger conferences that have chance after chance after chance within their conference. And I think you guys all know that and understand that, the importance of the next month. Yeah, I mean, and it starts today, you know, and it's just going to be like one after the other. Yes, it is. And, and, And so, you know, just put your head down. But that's also what these guys came here to do. Right. You know, like, right. I mean, 
and and that's what they're accustomed. You know, Javon Quinterly's accustomed to to doing this. You know, and and so is David Jones, and so is Jaquan Walton. You know, and, and so is Malcolm Dandridge. You know, so this isn't. It may be new for a couple of the guys, mm-hmm. but for the team as a whole, you know, this isn't new. And so it's just let's get to work and let's just start putting kind of notches on our belt. And I mean, I I. I speak for myself, but we feel a certain level of disrespect, you know, because it seems like every time, you know, the national media comes out, they, they find someone new to talk about and it's not us. Right. You're talking about and the top so, 25 poll? Any of it. Mm-hmm. Any of it. You know, when they talk about, you know, risers or, you know, hey, teams to watch, you know, it's, it's not just rankings, you know, but that's a part of it. And so this is a great opportunity for us on a national stage with national programs mm-hmm. to come out and, and and do some work and say, hey, remember us? Okay, exactly. Just, you don't need to. You don't need to talk about it. Just just know that we're here. Well said. Um, well said. It is. It is funny though. I know the poll doesn't mean anything right now, but it is funny that you are basically twenty sixth last week. Yeah. You go into yeah, this yeah. week. And a couple of teams from behind you jump you. You guys stay mm-hmm. out of the poll. One of those teams that jumps you, I believe, Virginia, which you will play, loses. A couple of other teams lose, and you're still on the outside looking in. So I can understand. I know people get eh, irked. Uh, they're playing the disrespect card once again. But really, there's some truth to it. I think there is. And, and that's okay. You know, but, sure. You know, we, we don't need anything given. Us, but we've we've got no problem going and earning it, and that's what we got to do. You know, right. so if that's you know, it, it just seems like there's certain people out there that can't do wrong, and certain people that just got constantly prove themselves over and over, and, and so that that's the lot we've been cast in, and so let's go do it. Well, we can't thank you enough for joining us from the Bahamas. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to to you and everyone down there. I know it's kind of a weird Thanksgiving uh, while you're playing a tournament, but go get them starting today, 4 o'clock Central Time, the Tigers and the Michigan Wolverines. Andy, thank you so much. Uh, safe travels back, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thank you, Andy. Andy Borman, Tigers assistant coach, joining us from the Bahamas site of the Battle for Atlantis. Again, Memphis opens up today against Michigan Four o'clock central, just a pivotal tournament. They need to win today to get on that winner's side. You lose, and then if Arkansas beats Stanford, Stanford's not a great team. Then you're playing Stanford, and maybe you play Northern Iowa as a consolation game, and then you don't get any real quality wins. That puts you way behind the eight ball. They do play a daunting non-conference schedule, but this is really, really important. I know it's early, but once you get the conference play, and with all due respect to the conference mates of Memphis, there are not a lot of quality wins in there. In fact, a loss is going to hurt you way more than a win's going to help you. So I think everybody knows the importance of playing well in this tournament. All right, when we come back, i got a couple things to get into, including the college football playoff rankings from last night. Lawrence Dockery will join us as well to talk some soccer. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.
Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate Andy Borman joining us from the Bahamas. We're going to talk some soccer with Lawrence Dockery in just a moment. Again, Ole Miss and Temple basketball today at 2 o'clock. Eli on the call from Philadelphia. So you got... Yours truly, and uh, Zach Boyd with you here from the Family Leisure Studios. Tomorrow we will have the Packers and Lions at 11 a.m. Lions playing the traditional Thanksgiving Day game. There are three games in the NFL, but in the afternoon at 4.30, it's all about the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss, Mississippi State from Starkville. And then on Friday, we got the Dolphins and the Jets at 1.30. Busy time. Of course, busy weekend as well. we got the Ohio State-Michigan game for you starting at 11 a.m. All right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. A few headlines before we talk with Lawrence. Mike Schilt, the former Cardinal skipper, gets a two-year deal to become the Padres manager. So another opportunity for Mike. He's a good guy, former Redbirds manager at one time. Former Cardinal skipper, as I mentioned, he replaces Bob Melvin, who left San Diego for San Francisco. Also from the baseball world, the Cardinals signed former All-Star pitcher Kyle Gibson to a one-year deal. Yesterday, it was Lance Lynn rekindling his old relationship with the Cardinals. They signed him to a one-year deal. Now they get Kyle Gibson on a one-year deal. Former Memphis Tiger running back Daryl Henderson waived by the Rams yesterday. He was waived earlier in the year, brought back. Had a touchdown, I believe this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken, but he was let go after Kyron Williams uh, returned from his injury. So Daryl Henderson looking for a new home to continue his NFL career. And if you missed this yesterday, Devontae Pack, who was the real good friend of John Morant, had his assault charges dropped yesterday. That was stemming from the pickup game at Jaw's house in the summer of 2022, and of course the civil lawsuit, civil lawsuit still going on um, against uh, John Morant. That's still to be heard and come to some conclusion. But as far as Devontae Pack is concerned, which I think he and Ja have kind of gone their separate ways. I don't know that for sure, but it seems like that is the case. Uh, Devontae Pack will not have any assault charges as they were a dro- dropped yesterday from uh his role in that event in the summer of 2022. College football, we'll talk plenty of that with Jerry Palm in hour number two. Georgia remains one in the latest college football playoff rankings. Ohio State two, Michigan three, and of course they'll play against each other, Ohio State and Michigan this weekend. Washington does leapfrog Florida State. They move up from five to four with Florida State dropping to five and Oregon six. We'll go over some of the other schools of note a little bit later on. But without further ado, time to kind of wrap up the soccer season. And it's been a busy one. And we do so with our friend Lawrence Dockery. He's the host of the 901 Soccer Podcast on Bluff City Media. He writes for World Soccer Talk. You can follow him on Twitter at LDoc93. And Lawrence joins us now on Sports 56 Mornings. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Doing good. There's a, there's a few topics I want to touch on, and I want to start with 901 FC. Now, this is something you probably don't have an answer to, but yesterday I'm sure you were following the news about mm-hmm. the stadium. And mm-hmm. then Craig Unger, who owns part of a, a company that owns both the Redbirds, the AAA affiliate of the Cardinals, and 901 FC, came out, made a statement about 
how disappointing it was that uh, the AutoZone Park and renovations, that that wasn't included as far as this is concerned. Now, one thing he didn't address was soccer and the future of a 901 FC soccer stadium. Most people believe that is out the window, Lawrence. So if you heard anything about that, and I wonder why Craig didn't address that when he sent out that um, email yesterday. Yeah, that is uh, that's uh, that. I found that very interesting because once I saw the news that uh, Jim Strickland said, "Sorry, no money, no money for the soccer stadium. Get out of here." Um, I found that I immediately reached out to 901 FC and was told they have no statement at this time. So basically, a no comment uh, as far as it pertains to the soccer stadium. So I did find it quite interesting that later in the day they issued a statement on behalf of the Redbirds. Um, so I, I, at this point, I have no earthly idea where we stand on, on the soccer stadium and if there's, if there's plans for that going forward or not, because, uh, you know, uh, the USL has unofficially slash officially told everybody in the USL championship that you're in your own stadium by the 2026 World Cup here in the U.S. or else. And they're not playing around because just this year they shut down the San Diego Loyal for not having a stadium deal. Now, that's a little bit unique of a situation because MLS is about to show up in San Diego, so mm-hmm. that's kind of probably played into it as well. But um, I, I don't know. I'll be perfectly perfectly honest. For me, the writing was on the wall about the soccer stadium and had been for, for many months. Um, once the, the state you know, cut the check to the city of Memphis and the discussion immediately became Grizzlies or Tigers, uh, so the writing had been on the wall for some time about who was getting the money. And hopefully, if I had been able to see for that long that the writing was on the wall, hopefully, I, I hope that 901 FC mm-hmm. was able to see the writing on the wall and have, you know, they've been using this time to explore other options because, uh, you know, I, 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 I would like 901 FC to stick around. And if the USO is, is as serious as they seem to be, um, you know, because a year ago when I interviewed Craig Unger for a piece that I wrote for World Soccer Talk, which, side note, is probably the best thing I've ever written, uh, you know, he, he, I asked him, and he straight up, on the record, verbatim, said, there is no plan B. But that was a year ago when everything was kumbaya and the Grizzlies and the Tigers and the Redbirds and I don't want to see everybody was lovey-dovey. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you know, once the check came in, that very clearly was not the case anymore. And uh, so, you know, I just, I hope that they saw what I saw and have been taking steps and exploring other avenues. That's what I hope. But well, I have no idea if that's the case. Again, under the mandate that you just mentioned from the USFL, USFL, USL, 2024-2025 is still in play because it has to be done by 2026. And we already know that Memphis 901 FC making plans with their roster for 2024. We know there will at least be a 2024 season, hopefully a 25, and then hopefully for years to come, soccer will remain in Memphis. That's to be determined. But as far as the roster is concerned, very interesting. After a couple of years in a row in the postseason and and putting together very good regular seasons, this this roster may look completely different. I noticed... You're going to have some guys like Knight Pickering, who's under contract, back. Luis Fernando is back. But some of the guys that are out of contract include Aaron Malloy, Jeremy Kelly, Reese Buckmaster. These are familiar names. They did go out, and they've already announced the signing and the return of Kyle Murphy, which is big. But I would think that this roster is going to drastically look different. Would you agree? 
Um, yeah, to to an extent, um, they did. You know, so they do have um, uh, ten of the guys that were on the roster last year are for sure going to be back next year. They had uh, they've already got four players under contract for 2024. That's Emerson Hindman, Bruno Lapa, Carson Vomsky. No, excuse me, that's Knight Pickering, Luis Fernando, Samuel Cariaga, and Lucas Turchi. They picked up second-year options for an additional six players. That was Emerson Hyndman, Bruno Lapa, Carson Bumsteeg, Akeem Ward, Aaron Seeger, and Dylan Borsak. So you're going to have ten guys back for sure from last year that were, you know, you're going to have ten guys back for sure next year that were here last year. But they're not the um, names, I think, that other than Knight Pickering, maybe Fernando. These aren't the names that people are used to. Most of the score, you got, you picked up Rodrigo da Costa. He is out of contract. I mentioned Malloy. We know how good he is. Jeremy Kelly. These are the big names that they won't have back. That's true. That is true. Um, although, uh, when I spoke to somebody at 901FC the day they made all these roster announcements, they mm-hmm. did stress that uh, just because they are currently out of contract does not mean that they are necessarily not coming back. There you go. Okay. There is for sure a possibility and that several of those players have expressed interest in coming back. Um, I think the only one for sure that we know for a fact won't be coming back is Laurent Kissyadu, as he, several days after the season was over, he posted on his various social media accounts that he was done here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, they are currently out of contract, so there's a possibility that they for, they for sure aren't coming back. Okay. But there's also a possibility that they might come back. So we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, it also is worth noting that uh, they are still in ongoing negotiations to bring back Less Than Paul and Rashawn Daly. Leston Paul, of course, been here since day one. He's exactly. one of the first players they signed, and he's he's the only original left on the team at this point. That is but, a name uh, very familiar, very familiar to uh, soccer fans. All right, uh, moving on. The Memphis Americans will cease operations this year. Doesn't mean they can't come back in the future, but they're not going to play. Yeah, um, they are. Uh, the the turn of phrase is going on hiatus. And uh, let's be real: when you're talking about, uh, you know. A minor league indoor soccer team hiatus means they're done. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not coming back, guys. Let's 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 cut the crap here. Um, this is uh, you know. Here's what I'll say: the the NISL the league is an absolute joke. Um, issues with players being paid on time. Issues with referees being paid on time. Uh, you did have a former Super Bowl winning kicker in Martin Gramatica coaching one of the teams, and he got kicked out of a game against the Americans last year for, you know, verbally abusing the referee. Was, Tampa, was allowed right? to come, was mm-hmm. allowed, yes, down in Tampa, was allowed somehow to come back onto the field at halftime and berate the referee some more. And it got so bad that you had to have, uh, there were two DeSoto County Sheriff's deputies that had to escort him back into the locker room before the start of the second half. That all blew over. You had a brawl breakout after the game in front of the locker rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, here's but but the Americans games themselves were fun. You got a doubleheader, two games for the price of one. You had a men's game and a women's game. And you know, for all of the issues with the league, the Memphis Americans were the most consistently successful, like the only organization to have success on both the women's and the men's side. And you know, it, but it's they a, didn't it's draw. They didn't draw. No, that's the no, reason. If, if they drew, they'd still be around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, if I mean you were you were t- you were talking a good attendance for an Americans game was like a thousand people. Okay, um, All right. and yeah, you know, there were there were there were plenty of games where I could sit up there at the top of the little press row at the top of the arena and count how many people yeah. were actually in the building. It, it wasn't good. 
By the way, if uh, you can't tell that Lawrence is also a referee, then um, you should check yourself because uh, the comments he made earlier about what happened with the Americans, that, that's spoken from a, a true referee. All right, so let's... I got 17 years. I, I know, I know you, you, uh, you not only uh, talk the talk, you walk the walk, obviously being a part of uh, a lot of matches. By the way, real quick, uh, we don't have a ton of time, and I want to get to the, uh, the Memphis run, which was fantastic both for the men and women. Uh, have you ever been attacked or you know ver- probably verbally sworn up and down but have you ever been physically attacked as an official uh yes i have as a matter of fact back in 2018 out of the tournament at mike rose um uh, it was in a consolation a u14 boys consolation game in the stadium out there at mike rose it was pouring down rain all day and uh I've, this coach for one of the local clubs uh didn't like that I called a foul outside of the box instead of inside of the box, which was hilarious because you could see, because the field was so wet, where the foul happened, the skid marks were mm-hmm. about three yards outside of the box, and he wanted a penalty, and he didn't get it, and they ended up losing the game one to nothing. And after the game, he comes running out to the center circle, you effing cost us the effing game, this, that, and the other, a couple of chest bumps, one or two shoves, and... Uh, Jeez. Uh, yeah, and uh, if I, I don't... And we, I mean, we. There was a whole big conference call with Tennessee soccer. The whole big. Uh, I think he for sure missed one tournament because it was in between the incident and the hearing. But I don't know if I'm not mistaken. The guy who owns his club, uh, who runs that particular club, uh, who ran that particular club at the time, uh, carries a pretty big stick with Tennessee soccer. So I don't know that there was anything more than a slap on the wrist. Mm, okay. Uh, Memphis women once again reach the Sweet 16. Unfortunately, on Sunday, they lose in Fayetteville to Pittsburgh, 3-0. The men make it to the second round. They win their first ever NCAA tournament match, beating uh, Edwardsville. That's uh, Eli's um, Eli's alma mater, and he's uh, not here to uh, praise his Cougars. But it was a a nice win for uh, Richard's team, and then they come back and have to play one of the top programs in the country, North Carolina, on the road and lose that one. But they lose in the second round. But all in all, that is just a fantastic run for the Memphis soccer teams. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, know, there's a lot of discussion about uh, the women's team going like 18-1 and in the regular season with their only loss being on the road by a single goal to a ranked Alabama team that went to the College Cup semifinals last year. Uh, And they somehow were a six-seed, which was egregious. Let's all be real. That was right. just absolutely I agree with that. egregious. Um, but once you got to the Sweet 16, I think that the seeding argument goes out of the window for two different reasons. A, against Pittsburgh, they were playing a lower-seeded team. Pittsburgh was a seven seed. Mm-hmm. And B, uh, Brooks Monaghan had said they were kind of expecting to be a three seed, so they beat the three seed Notre Dame, and had they been a three seed, they would have been in the exact same spot that they ended up anyway. Um, you, you know, the path was there because last year it was Arkansas that put Memphis out on penalties in the Sweet 16 in Fayetteville, and Arkansas got upset by Pittsburgh. So the path was there, but Pittsburgh, I think, probably felt like they were playing with house money and that they had upset the number two seed, and uh, they just they came out and it sucks that it ends the way it did for for the Memphis women. That was that was a hell of a season. They you know had another home NCAA tournament game. They broke the Billy Murphy track and state soccer stadium record for attendance. They got over 2,000 people out there 
for the LSU game in the first yeah. round of the NCAA tournament. They were up two to nothing in like a minute and a half. It was absurd. Um, and so that was, I mean, the whole season was just, it was, was a great ride and, uh, nothing for them to hang their heads about at all. You beat four or five different power five opponents throughout the course of the season. No, it was, it, it, yeah, it was unbelievable. Champs, yeah. Division champs, regular season conference champs, conference tournament champs for the third straight year. Awesome season. All right. The men's side, uh, real quick, Lawrence. Were, not not as awesome. They didn't go as far, but they had a home NCAA tournament game against SIU Edwardsville. They got over a thousand people out there. Uh, won a home conference tournament game. Won a home NCAA tournament game, and then just came up short against a quality quality North Carolina uh, soccer program. They got a lot of good stuff going on over there at North Carolina, both men's and women's. Listen, keep doing what you're doing, my friend. There's a lot of soccer fans out there, and you're doing a great job in covering the sport, and we love having you on. Uh, he's the host of the 901 Soccer Podcast on Bluff City Media. He writes for World Soccer Talk. He's a referee. He is a uh, proponent of, of soccer, and I'm sure that um, anything that happens in the world of soccer, he'll have you covered uh, locally and, of course, with uh, Team USA and things of that nature. He is Lawrence Dockery. Follow him on Twitter at LDoc93. Happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Thank you so much for everything. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me on again. Take care. Good stuff from Lawrence. Good stuff at Corky's Ribs and Barbecue. Now, tomorrow's Turkey Day. It's all about the turkey. I understand that. They're not going to be open. But every other day. Now, people have probably bought their turkeys from Corky's, right? I think they, they have the – it's too late now to order, but I think they did that. But as far as barbecue, I mean, you're talking about a Memphis tradition for four decades. You can dine in at any of their four establishments. In fact, I'm going to be going over there for lunch today. Uh, you can drive through, no contact delivery, have any of the services delivered to your home or office. They have specialized in catering. So if you want an event catered, no matter how small or large, they'll start you out as low as $8.99 per person for that delicious slow-smoked barbecue. You get out a third of a rack of ribs for just $6.99 when you purchase a barbecue sandwich, their award-winning catfish plate, or any entree. Party packs start at just $7.49. Lunch specials every day. It's Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, four convenient locations in the Mid-South, Poplar Avenue in Memphis, Poplar Avenue in Collierville, Germantown Parkway in Cordova, and Goodman Road in Olive Branch. Ask about their private party room at either the Cordova or Olive Branch location, then give them a jingle and set up your time and date. While you're there, pick up a few Corky's gift cards. They make great stocking stuffers for Christmas. It's Corky's Ribs and Barbecue, open for lunch and dinner seven days a week. And don't forget, five favorite things today. Get your lists in now. Your five favorite places in Memphis, the metropolitan Memphis area, to get a sub or a deli sandwich, any type of sandwich. We're not talking about barbecue. We're not talking about pizza. We're talking about sandwiches, submarines, hoagies, the best places. Five favorite. Give me five. Send that list in. Sports 56 listener line. You can text it in at 901-360-8255 or hit us up with your lists on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Send it to the website, sportsmemphis.com. We'll go over the lists at 930 today with five favorite things. You're tuned in to Sports 56. Six mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, and 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch.
Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Everybody's working for the weekend. Welcome back, everyone. Short week for everybody this week with the holiday. So we are working for the weekend, which will start early. For some of you, it starts today and will... Uh, Last all the way until Monday, those that are fortunate. Others that are not so fortunate are working. I am with Zach Boyd. Eli is on the road with the Ole Miss Rebels basketball team. They'll play Temple today at 2 o'clock. We'll have that game for you right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Tomorrow, no local shows, obviously, with Thanksgiving. I already mentioned Packers-Lions at 11 a.m. And then we'll have the Egg Bowl for you, Ole Miss-Mississippi State at 4.30. On Friday, we will have a show. Now, I'll be with the Memphis Tigers football team in Philly. Eli will be off. Bryant Dacus is going to sit in. From 7 to 10. Zach, you working Friday as well? Yes. So it'll be you and Bryant. Uh, I will join you guys, though, from Philadelphia at 9.30 and uh, preview the Memphis Temple game as it'll kick off at 11 o'clock, 11.02, I think, to be exact, central time. So I'll be with the folks at 9.30. So yesterday, the council meeting, the city council meeting in Memphis, uh, about the stadium proposal and everything that came down yesterday, um, most, in fact, everybody but one, as far as the councilmen and women, uh, liked the idea, approved the idea of handing over the stadium to the University of Memphis to run. There was one councilman who did not like that idea of just handing over the stadium, but others said, you know, basically, I'm not, I'm putting words in their mouth here. You know, it's an it's an albatross. You know, you got to spend whatever you have to spend for new turf for this or that. Now you don't have to deal with that, right? Let the university have the structure, have the stadium, and let them deal with everything. So I believe that won't be a hindrance. I don't know if it has to be a unanimous vote or not, but there was just one person that uh, had an issue with handing it over to the university. If you missed it yesterday, if you were in a cave, of course you had the big news from the gift from Fred Smith and FedEx of $50 million, and Memphis will raise $50 million plus $120 million from the allocated money that's going from the state to the stadium projects. That means $220 million when it's all said and done, but still the university has to raise that money. There's still some things that have to happen. We don't know for sure right now if it will start on time, but good chance it will, and that would be right after the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. Now, Craig Unger, who is the team president of the Redbirds, part of that ownership group that owns the Redbirds and 901 FC, he had a statement yesterday that he released uh, via an email and then on social media. And I mean, he made some really good points. If you recall, the original stadium proposal from Mayor Jim Strickland included 901 FC in a new stadium and refurbishment renovations to AutoZone Park. I'll read some of the statement from Craig on behalf of the Redbirds. We are aware of the news that the city has come to a resolution on the stadium funding projects and are extremely disappointed that AutoZone Park, which was only seeking a small fraction of the state funding, has been left out. Since this process started more than 18 months ago, we have actively collaborated with the city on ways to achieve full funding for all projects, which is why it is so unfortunate that the critical needs of AutoZone Park have been overlooked. Once the jewel of downtown and the gold standard for minor league baseball stadiums, AutoZone Park is simply no longer considered a top facility in professional baseball. It is in desperate need of standard updates to basic infrastructure, relies on the 
the building next door for critical systems and is in danger of not meeting Major League Baseball's compliance standards. And then he lists a bunch of different things that need to happen to renovate and, and modernize and make sure it's within the structure of Major League Baseball's compliance standards, including updating a modern uh, HVAC control system uh, and make it a standalone facility, not to rely on the building next door for heating, air conditioning, and critical systems. Now, the ownership group has put some money into repairs. They fixed the uh, scoreboard. Everything looks better as far as that's concerned because that was an eyesore. There are a lot of issues. So I can understand the plight of Craig Unger, especially when they were included in the original deal. But when when the money runs out, you know, you knew who was going to lose out on this. And unfortunately, it is AutoZone Park and it is right now soccer. But gosh, I would hate to see one day uh, the affiliation with the Cardinals and the team leaving Memphis, losing that. Because I do believe in what he says as far as that being... You know, a jewel. It has been for a long time. When it was first opened up, my gosh, was it nice. And then after years and years and years, I'm not going to say neglect, but not a lot of money put into it, you could see the wear and tear of that stadium. So certainly I understand his plight. All right, when we come back, hour number two is going to be really, really busy. We're going to talk Memphis Tigers football with head coach Ryan Silverfield. That'll be coming up at 8.05. Then we'll talk with Jerry Palm from CBS Sports on the latest college football playoff rankings. We'll talk some college hoops as well with Jerry. At 9.05, we turn our attention to the Grizzlies. To Michael Cole will join us. The Grizzlies and the Rockets. That means Dylan Brooks tonight in Houston. That should be something. And then at about 9.30, five favorite things. Again, your five favorite places in Memphis to get a submarine or hoagie sandwich, deli sandwich. Get your list together. It could be chains or it could be local. Put it together. List the five in order if you can. Send it to us via the Sports 56 listener line by texting in at 901-360-8255 or send it via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or send it to the website sportsmemphis.com. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. 